Welcome back to Perks Recap once again. In the car once again. It is Sunday morning. It is NFL week one. I'm getting hyped. Cannot wait for the games and the game tonight of my Cowboys. I'm also going to have a few uh, thoughts on the Yankees. Let's get to it. Okay, back in the car as usual. Sunday morning, the calm before the proverbial storm that is the NFL season, that is week one of the NFL season. I really cannot wait. I'm more hyped for this year than I have been in a long, long time. Uh, Partially because of my team, the Cowboys, but just in general, it's good to have the NFL back. It means the warm weather is going to start uh, slowing down, hopefully, which if you know me, you know I absolutely hate the summer with a passion. <laughs> Anything over 80 degrees and I'm a miserable person. So give me zero over 100 any day of the week. Anyway, week one, I'm excited for a few games. But I got to talk about the main game for me, the, the game, the Sunday night game. My confidence has been shaken. Coming in, I, was, I had a really good feeling about the Cowboys. Even though, even when I have a good feeling about them, I try not to like, you know, brag about it or go crazy predicting crazy things with them. So I wouldn't have done that anyway, even if I had a good feeling about it. But the thing is, the good feeling is gone. It seems very trendy now to pick the Giants, not only to cover the cover the score, if you're a betting person there, a three, I believe, a two-and-a-half or three-point underdog at, at home, and almost everybody's picking the Giants to cover that spread. Maybe even a three-and-a-half. I'm not entirely sure. I'm not a much of a betting person, so I'm not entirely sure what the line is, but it's in that range anyway, around a field goal range. Everybody's picking the Giants to cover the spread, but not only that, but it's very trendy, I've noticed, for people just to pick the Giants to win the game outright, and Giant fans, they want this game more than anything, it seems like. This is like their Super Bowl already, even though it's only week one. They have not had good success against the the Cowboys lately, and they are all in on this team. They think they have this this team is very, very good. This team is ready to finally defeat the Cowboys, and they are at home. So all that wrapped up, I'm starting. I'm very, very concerned, and my concerns were elevated even more because now the Cowboys have some – two offensive linemen that are a little beat up. Tyron Smith, who's always a little beat up, it seems. He rolled his ankle this week in practice. It appears he's going to play, but all you know, all he's got to do is step the wrong way. And maybe, you know, it aggravates it. Or maybe he won't be able to play the whole game regardless. That's a concern. Tyler Smith is even more concerning because he might not play. They had a walkthrough yesterday. He had to get through that and feel good this morning to 
get cleared to play. They were optimistic, but they weren't saying anything definitively. So I don't know if Tyler Smith is going to play. And if he doesn't, that's going to be a problem because the guard, our backup guards, one is an unproven rookie, Tyler Bass. And he was the only one that's played uh, pretty good this preseason. Nobody else has played good at all at guard where Tyler Smith would be if he plays. So if Tyler Smith doesn't play, we have a concern at guard. If Tyron Smith doesn't play, we have a left tackle concern as well. That's the blind side. Left tackle's the most important offensive line position, in my opinion, for a right-handed quarterback, which Dak Prescott is, of course. So all these things. Oh, yeah. And one one other thing. The forecast is not good. It's supposed to rain. Oh, goody. It's going to rain. So there's going to be a lot of slips and slides and, and, and people possibly losing their footing. We got big 300-pound offensive linemen with leg injuries trying, trying to keep their footing on a slick field. Not to mention, in general, on a slick field, people could be pulling muscles regardless. I am confident in their defense. I will say I will be surprised if the Giants, you know, just go up and down the field on them and the Giants, you know, put up, you know, 28 or 30 points on the the Cowboys' defense. Could they put up 28 or 30? Sure, they can get turnovers. They can return, you know, get a special teams touchdown, things like that. Absolutely that maybe would not be against the actual defense. But when the defense is on the field, I would I would think the Giants, don't get me wrong, they're going to move the ball and they're going to score some points. That's just all there is to it. I have no delusions to think the Giants aren't a good team that can move the ball on the Cowboys. They're going to move the ball and they're going to score some points. It's just a matter of can they be contained to maybe – 17, 20, 21 points in that range and give the offense a chance to win the game by scoring, you know, more like the mid-20s for the for the Cowboys, 24, 27, in that, that range. So it's very it's very fun, it's very cool. Uh, the NFL week one is always a difficult one to predict because you don't know anything yet. You can't go by preseason. We all know that. A lot of these offenses and defenses did not play with the first unit at all in the preseason, which means there's a cohesion cohesion aspect to this on both sides of the ball for those teams, for these teams that have not played at all in the preseason together. It might take a series or two or maybe even a quarter or maybe even a half to really get back into the flow of things, get back on the same page with everybody, and be ready to go. And in some instances, it might even be a game or two before a team can really get going. 
So all those aspects, all these people predicting the Giants, the offensive line concerns, man, I just hope we win this game. Man, oh man. But you got to also think realistically, the Cowboys have won. The, Dak Prescott has never lost to the Giants at all. Anytime he's, he started, the only times the Giants have beaten the Cowboys since that Dak came into the league in 2016 was when he was out. If he has played, he's never lost to the New York Giants. So it's almost one of those deals where, well, you're not going to go forever. You know, you just, you're just not. Yeah, the Giants were gar- were hot garbage early in his career, but they're getting you know they're getting their ducks in a row now, and they're they're getting better. And they they made the playoffs last year and won a playoff game. Same as you, you made the playoffs and won a playoff game. And then you both got bounced the next round. So even though you finished with a better record than them last year, the end result was the same. And you're going to their house. They've improved since last season. They've added Darren Waller, who I believe is going to play. He had he showed up on the injury report, but it looks like he's going to be able to play. Um, he's their big ticket item that they got in the offseason. They added some other pieces, at Paris Campbell at wide receiver, a couple other little things. But their main, their main offseason acquisition was Darren Waller. So you, you roll all that up, Daniel Jones possibly getting even better. Brian Dable was the coach of the year last year. So we're going to see where, where he can build from there. Wink Martindale is an absolutely fantastic defensive coordinator. And they've got some talent now in their home. And they are treating this like a must-win situation. They have to get off the snide against the Cowboys and I don't get that same sense from the Cowboys in terms of an urgency that the Giants seem to have. Now, that's a, that's a double-edged sword, though, because the Giants can have this urgency and really put all their ducks in a row and all their, all their eggs in one basket on this one game. What if you do that and then you lose? Could that derail the whole season? Could that... Could that be a detriment for the for at least the next few weeks? I guess that's a possibility. But the thing is, if you do that and you win, that could propel you to a really great season as well. Talk about buying in and believing in your coach as players. If they can win this game, the Giants might be in for some big, big things this year. Which would just, you know, for me, it would just, it would just suck for me because I don't want to deal with that. I got a lot of family members and friends and stuff that are Giants fans that I don't want to hear chirping. It's been nice with them pretty much shutting up for the last few years. <laughs> but that's how it goes. That's why sports is fun, right? Bust stones on friends and family about the teams that you like compared to the teams they like. All in good fun. Nothing visceral or anything like that. My son is actually going to the game uh, as a Cowboy fan, wearing his Cowboy 
Jersey. Hopefully, they don't treat him too badly over there. And hopefully, he can see the team win. All right, I'm going to come back with a little bit of thoughts on the New York Yankees. But, um, yeah, week one, I'm really looking forward to it. Looking forward to, to, to keeping track of my fantasy teams, getting back to that kind of stuff, and just having a day of football. It's been a long time. It's been since January since we had a full day of football. Today's a full slate. And now we've got football until February. And it's only September. That's absolutely fantastic. Okay, the New York Yankees. (laughs) True colors shining through. No one wants to hear me sing. I understand that. (laughs) But... The Yankees showed their true colors. I recorded a podcast going into the last game against the Detroit Tigers. The Yankees had won five in a row. There was positive vibes. There was even some whispers of some fans holding out hope that maybe they could come go on a big run and maybe sneak into the playoffs. And then the bottom fell out once again. I said... They weren't going anywhere. I said they were dead in the water. I had serious doubts about them continuing the streak. And I hate to say I was right. I wanted to be wrong. I want my team to do well. But uh, they've lost three in a row now. And Milwaukee today is going for the sweep. Chances are, I think they're probably going to get it. So maybe I was the kiss of death. (laughs) As soon as I did that podcast after they won five in a row, they haven't won since. So maybe today, since I'm doing another one, it'll reset it and they'll go on another little run. But anyway, I am a little bit encouraged on a couple things. Forget about the season. I mean, the season's over. The season was over, over before, but if you're holding out hope now, you're absolutely delusional even more so so hopefully that chatter is died down there's no hope for anything for this year but Hal Steinbrenner now let's face it also real quick you know Cashman's coming back and I got a feeling Boone might be as well although I'm not as sure that Boone will be back as I am Cashman but anyway Hal Steinbrenner has said that they're going to do a complete evaluation of the the entire organization top to bottom so changes are coming they got to get back to being a well-run organization on the administrative side first it's got to start there their analytics department is atrocious and I don't want to hear anybody talk about oh they should just abandon the analytics you can't abandon analytics. First of all, if you do, you're, you're a fool because everybody else is doing it. And they're using the information correctly. That's the problem. The Yankees have all the same information, probably even more information, because they spend quite a bit on analytics. 
but they don't interpret it correctly. They don't use it correctly at all. Houston Astros are a heavily analytic team. How do they do? The Braves are analytic. Everybody in the majors is, uses analytics to some degree. So you got to use them. It's just information. Knowledge is power. You got to be able to apply the information that you're supplied with from those analytics and apply it to your team correctly. That is the issue. They don't do that. I don't know if they don't know how to do that or they just have the wrong people in place. Their analytic team needs a complete clean out, clear out, get some new people in there and new people to determine what those numbers mean and how to apply it to this team. You got to use the analytics. 30 of 30 MLB teams use analytics. And even the really, really good ones. So I don't want to hear anything about analytics. Don't work. Now, that part I'm excited about in terms of the offseason. What changes they're going to make on the administrative side. Organizational changes. On the field, listen, these kids, we overrate our our prospects. We have always overrated our prospects. That's part of the the fault of our analytics. We have these ideas that these kids are going to come up and be great, and they're simply just not. You go all the way back to when Judge came in, the Baby Bombers, 2017. You got Gary Sanchez, Greg Bird. Judge, of course, hit, hit big, hit big with Judge. But, you know, and Duhar, even Glaber Torres to a degree. I would say Glaber Torres has been a little bit of a, has been a disappointment. He's a solid player. He's a solid hitter. He's an okay fielder at second. He has brain farts and sometimes you can question his effort. And his decision-making on the base paths, for sure. And he makes a, a dumb error every now and then. So I would say, overall, he's probably been a little bit of a disappointment. But he's been probably the most consistent hitter this year. He's played pretty much every day. He doesn't really get hurt. And he's solid at the plate. He's nothing spectacular, but he's an okay player at second base. And especially for second base... He has pretty good power for that position. He's one of the better power hitters at second base. But Greg Bird, where's he? And Andujar, what's happened to him? Clint Frazier's another one. What's happened to him? Gary Sanchez came out like a house of fire. Had a couple of decent years. Completely flamed out. Well under 200 batting average. Shipped out, bounced around a little bit. He might have found a home now in San Diego. Good for him. But he's still Gary Sanchez. His batting average is still putrid. But he still has that power that will let him stick around a little bit. 
And to be honest, I have nothing against Gary Sanchez. I hope it works out for him. But our rookies and young kids in the minors have always been been overhyped. And the only one that's really delivered is Judge. Now, Anthony Volpe has a chance to be the next one after Judge to really deliver. His batting average is too low. He's batting 215. That's just too low. But everything else is good. He's got good power and speed. And he's got a good power-speed combination at the plate in terms of stolen bases and home runs. He's going to go 20-20. I think he might already be 20-20. He might go 25-25. 25-25 shortstop rookie at 22 years old. You got to be excited for that. He's just got to get that batting average up, and it's got to start in 2024. He can't go through all of 2024 batting 215 again. He's got to get it up. It's got to be 240-250 at minimum. So we'll have to see how that goes. But the rest of them, they're not hitting at all. These kids are just not hitting. Oswaldo Cabrera has completely crapped out. He had opportunities this year, and he has not taken advantage of it. And I am now thinking that this kid doesn't have it. And he's another top-of-the-line prospect that we really were excited about that's not going to work out. Now, Oswald Peraza has not had the same opportunity. In the limited opportunities he did have, he has had, he has not gotten the job done at all. He lost the starting shortstop job in spring training to Volpe. He go, he might be a quadruple A player. He goes down to triple A and tears it up. Every time he goes down to triple A, he tears it up. And then every time he comes up to the majors, he can't do anything. He's a plus fielder. He's got a great glove. And a really strong arm, stronger than Volpe's, to be honest. But you can't count on him at the plate so far. You can't give up on him. He's young. You got to give him another opportunity next year. But so far, he has not impressed one bit at the major league level at the plate. Austin Wells. Same deal. You can't give up on him. He's a kid. He's a catcher. But he has done nothing at the plate. Instant out so far. Really, really struggling since he's come up. Everson Pereira. I'm sounding like a broken record. Same story. He has not done much at the plate in the major leagues. He's now Wells and Pereira have not had a long time. They have not had enough time to develop. You can't judge them on what we've seen so far because they've only been they've only been up for a few weeks, a couple weeks. So I can't judge them. All I'm saying is what I've seen so far. In the two weeks or three weeks that they've been up, they haven't done anything. But you can't give up on any of them. And then, of course, you got Jason Dominguez, 20-year-old 
the number one prospect in the organization scorched through double A barely played at all in triple A and then came up to the majors here and at first set the set the world on fire he's kind of cooled off a little bit since then but again you've got like what is he at 10 games something like that 8 10 games and uh it's way too early to determine anything I was concerned about the strikeouts I still am 30% strikeout rate in the minors is way too high when you consider the majors is going to be harder for him he can't be at sitting at 33 35% in the mind in the majors and expect to play every day his batting average is going to tank so I would love for all those guys to start in the minors next year but I know that's not possible first of all Dominguez has shown enough and has been exciting enough that he's going to come north after spring training and be the starting center fielder next year. Unless he completely tanks from now to the end of the year and shows nothing in spring training, then maybe he'll start in the minors. Which wouldn't be a bad thing. He'll be, what, 21 years old, plenty of time still to improve. Volpe, same thing, plenty of time to improve. All these kids are young. All of them are, have plenty of time to, to improve. So we'll have to see who comes up, who starts the season next year with the big club and who goes to the minors. I wouldn't be opposed to any of them going into the minors or any of them staying on the team. I don't think all of them can stay on the team and break camp. But we'll have to see what Hal does for decisions, who he brings back, who he trades they might not have all of those kids next year because one of one or two of them might be gone with a trade. As long as it's the right trade, I wouldn't mind. I don't want to get rid of all of them. Obviously, you're not getting rid of Volpe, and I don't think you're getting rid of Dominguez. Those seem to be the top two guys of, of the youngsters. But anybody, anybody else is fair game. Glaber Torres is fair game to get traded. You need an outfielder. You need a closer, possibly a starting pitcher. You need an infielder if you trade Torres. I would love to also get rid of DJ LeMahieu. I don't think it's going to happen. And I would love to get rid of Giancarlo Stanton. And once again, I don't think that's going to happen. So those guys will be back. Rizzo will be back. Judge will be back. And Volpe will be back. We'll see about Glaber. I tend to think he will be back. But I don't know for sure. He might not. But yeah, all those kids, all the way back to 2016, 15, that time frame, we always have these high hopes for those kids, and it never seems to work out for us. These kids come up and they don't produce, other than Aaron Judge and possibly Anthony Volpe this year. And if you want to throw Glaber Torres in there, he's kind of makes me pull my hair out a little bit sometimes you can question his effort question his base running decisions he makes bonehead plays bonehead errors too many errors probably he's got a good arm he's an okay fielder if he gets to it 
And he's got a consistent bat. He's been probably the most consistent hitter. He's not a complete disaster at the plate. So I think he does have some value, which is why I'm saying maybe you can trade him for something because these kids hopefully are not going to hurt their value too much in the offseason with this with them struggling in September because you're going to need to pair them up with Glaber or someone else in the minors and trade one or two of them probably to get back a decent piece that you need and you can't have their value just completely tanking all of September while they're struggling and then you get a less you know you have to give up more for that same piece But we'll have to see. But the Yankees lineup, with all of them in there, it's it's pretty embarrassing when you look at the batting averages. You got, if you have Wells, Pereira, Cabrera, Peraza, Volpe, Dominguez, all of them in there, everybody's batting 200 or below. You can have four or five guys in the lineup over half the lineup batting 200 or below. You just can't have that. Anyway, so that's that's the the Yankees' uh, little update. I hate gloating. I don't want to gloat on it or pat myself on the back, back for being right. I want it to be wrong, but... Uh, it seems like I, I I was right about the fact that they were not going anywhere this year. So we'll have to see what 2024 brings. But this is one of the most important off-seasons that I can remember for the New York Yankees. There's going to be a lot of change, even if it's more behind-the-scenes, analytics-wise, um, administrative-wise. I'm not sure if there will be any coaching changes, manager change. I'm almost positive there won't be a GM change. We'll have to see what they do with the money that they're going to save on some of these players and who they bring in. It will definitely be very interesting. So you just want to keep tuning in here. Whenever they do a move or something happens, you know I'm going to have a podcast on there pretty quick. And I'll have my take on it and have all the information for you. And, of course, Jordan G., the unicorn, will be joining me from time to time in the offseason as he has all uh, during the season this year so far. And we're still going to have some updates that are not New York Yankees related with Jordan, especially when the baseball playoffs start. Should still be a fun playoff. A lot of good teams, a lot of good actions coming our way from the baseball playoffs. I'll be right back with a close. So there you have it. That's my thoughts on uh, the Cowboys and Giants for week one in the NFL. Really jazzed up for that. Excited for the whole season, actually, and for the whole day leading up to that game. Should be good stuff. And then, of course, the New York Yankees. That's my take on what's going on with them. Back to reality. Their true colors were shining through for sure the last few games it's been a struggle all year and uh, 
and probably will be the rest of the way. But anyway, that's going to do it. Make sure you tune in to uh, Perks Recap on YouTube for music reactions. A lot of good stuff going on there. Last few, last like three or four days, I've really had a lot of trouble with uh, with copyrights and uh, issues with YouTube blocking some stuff. I had like two videos blocked over the weekend or over uh, during the course of this past week. And uh, that's usually they get released and both of them are not going to get released so i basically wasted time you know recording those editing those they're all not going to get released no one's going to see them and then also i lose the actual day that i was supposed to release them and i don't get a video out that day which is a which is a shame <laughs> try to get a video out six to seven times a week and I just want to let you know, too, Mondays, tune in. There will be a new podcast every Monday specifically regarding the Perks Recap channel on YouTube, the music reactions, with who I am expecting to react to that week, what songs I have plans to do that week. So you can kind of get an idea of what to expect over on Perks Recap over on YouTube. And then, of course, Monday or Tuesday, Football Time will join me to go over the Giants and Cowboys game in week one of the NFL season. Try to get Football Joe on. Our schedules are really having some problems trying to match up. Uh, we're going to hopefully get some time to get him on. And then, of course, we'll be back with Al on Wednesday, early Wednesday to do the same thing, go over week one and do some predictions for week two. Your earliest weekly NFL predictions come from here, come from the Perks Recap Podcast. Nobody does predictions on a Wednesday before the seat, before the games on Sunday. Early week predictions only here on Perks Recap Podcast with me and Al. Anyway, that's going to do it. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Until next time, I will see you later.